You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They were setting up the kabuki, and I'm sitting there at sound check, and I'm like, oh, Ernie, every, everyone knows Dustin's dog, Ernie, the little Frenchie. Uh, yeah. And he's, you know, he'll come into the venue around sound check and run around and do his stuff. And so Dylan, one of our stage guys, is like laying out the kabuki, figuring out where it's going to go, and Ernie like goes to lay on the kabuki. It's all spread out. And I'm like, oh, so cute, Ernie, taking videos. And then he just pops up and takes a giant piss in the middle of the kabuki. <laughs> and all the all of our stage crew comes running like, oh, my God. You know, and this it was like the biggest piss of all time and he just like popped up and just like boop peed all over it and they're like spraying it down because this is the thing that like starts our show yeah. right there's like a Big giant white in. curtain with ernie pee all over it hello welcome to another episode of 2020 my name is cory peza here with benny goodman and uh the reason that siobhan is not here in this space of an intro is that she is kind of acting as one of our guests today along with the one and only brock richards so we got a we got a star set episode uh we're throwing together for well they're guys. on the truth is is that siobhan has always been way above our pay grade on this podcast like True. i can't even say from, i say from day one from day one she's so much better than us and now she's actually quote-unquote working so on her quote-unquote time off in her quote-unquote hotel room with her lovely husband who happens to be the the lovely extraordinaire guitarist uh brock richards from star set while they're touring a huge headlining tour that the the audience is so loud they can't even hear it over their, their in-ear monitors yeah, it's really it's cool. It's, it's kind of like just a check-in to see how uh, everything's going. They've been on tour now for, for such a long time, and they still, they're still they only about halfway through, it seems. Uh, so it's kind of, we get to see the, the mental state uh, of two uh, professionally touring musicians in the midst of dealing with all the fun stuff that comes with touring. So here's a little peek behind the scenes. Uh, here is, uh, it's only part one, and the only part you're going to get with Brock Richards and Siobhan Cronin. Check it out. Check out Star Set Online and certainly subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Benny Goodman. And if you're wondering, if you're watching this on YouTube and if you're not, go to 2020-d.com. Why we all look like shit. It's because this is called the tour slash travel slash producer life. Siobhan and Brock, Brock being our guest, Siobhan being my cohort in crime, and Corey have all been traveling around the world. Corey just got back from Austria. Siobhan just got back from, who knows, Wichita. She, she went to Wichita <laughs> from, some, very other, glamorous, from <laughs> some other weird place. Her bus broke down. And then Brock, I don't think he's on this planet. Hi, guys. How are you? <laughs> What's going on? What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, this is what I, be I believe a wise man once said. Uh, these trials make us who we are. We are. We are. <laughs> that wise man is sleeping right now with a late checkout while the rest of us are up doing podcasts. <laughs> this is definitely a, uh, a kind of last minute 
uh, episode that we had to put together because uh, we're all living life to its fullest. Um, spinal so tap episode. Be a it's very the good, spinal tap. Very good chance to kind of check in and see everything's going, uh, especially with uh, Siobhan and Brock, who have been on tour now for about six years, uh, it seems like. With Star Set. Star Set's the band. So people yeah. don't know because we know Brock. We know how dreamy and tall and, and unbelievably prowess he has towards his PRS guitar. But, you know, my mom, who's only watched the show a few times, may not be operantly conditioned to know that Star Set is one of the biggest bands in the world. Can you guys speak to what it's been like? Because we just saw you with 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 Seether and Breaking Benjamin. And I got to tell you, I was um as a Jewish mother impressed with how many people like actually knew who you were and seemed to care. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it was it was awesome touring with uh, Ben and Seether because it was obviously some different audiences, bigger arenas, which was amazing. So, I mean, that's a really great opportunity for us to reach people that might not find us online or on the radio or whatever. You know, there's some overlap in the styles of music, but a lot of different people, too. You know, some of the people that listen to Seether would have never heard of Star Set. So it was definitely a great opportunity to reach some new people. Um, you know, those audiences are all you know, listening to different types of music. So it was cool to see that they were into it. And a lot of people, you know, just looking on our Instagrams and stuff, there were so many people that were like, oh my gosh, I'm a Star Set fan now, which is awesome. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Yep. Anything to say, Brock? (laughs) You just keep... You keep taking the lead. And the- <laughs> <laughs> you guys Brock, wanna- Brock is still in the process of waking up. Yeah. Do you guys want to talk about the, uh, you know, the, the trials of what you are going on, <laughs> what you have going on right now? Yeah. So, yeah. Welcome to the true glamour of tour life. Um, so, we, like you guys said, we were doing a support tour for about a month. We've been on the road forever. And now we're in the middle of our headline tour. So uh, where we are uh, right now. We were, <laughs> I can't even speak. My brain is not even working. We, one of our buses broke down, of course, right before a long Ones drive. It's always breaking it's, down. Yeah, it wasn't exactly broken down, but there were some issues that had to be fixed. We were in Phoenix making a very long drive, getting back towards the East Coast, and uh, basically had to take everyone off one bus, move them onto the other bus, and cram all of us in for a very, very long drive from Phoenix to Wichita, Kansas, which we did a couple days ago. Um, you know, and it's still not done. So we're, everyone had to sleep last night. A bunch of us ditched out to go to a hotel to make room on the bus. And that's where we are right now in the middle of a bunch of shows trying to make it work. Well, let me ask you, which is worse? Is it worse for you guys or is it worse, worse for Dustin, who's actually a real rock star, to have to be on the bus with all you guys when he had his own bus? <laughs> I think he enjoys it. I mean, it, it's definitely <laughs> fun when we're all on the bus. Is that what he tells you? When you're playing Scrabble and Jenga at three o'clock in the morning and the bus is... I mean, I definitely, you know, as weird as it sounds, it's sometimes things like that are fun, you know, because most of the time we're like so used to just our routines and going back and we're in our divided buses or whatever. And, you know, sometimes we don't get to spend that much time together. So it was actually a lot of fun to do a long drive. It was fun for a while. Yeah. And then it became the never ending time warp that like. Where Wichita just got further and further away. Okay, you have four hours left. And then. You know, five hours goes by and it says, you have two hours left. (laughs) And you're like, what the heck happened? 
<laughs> but, here, but here's the, the thing people don't realize is but you look out the window and it looks exactly the same as nine hours ago yeah that's oh, the thing yeah. we're going what I call like Kansas and Montana and Nebraska and all all that should just be called Fucksville because it's just one <laughs> conti- continuous like tumbleweed of just open space and you're, you're like oh th- there's way too much trash places just go to Nebraska Montana Kansas and like there's so much space. Just move all the trash there. There's plenty of room. Oh, it was it was like amazing to see that because I woke up and we were somewhere in New Mexico and it literally was that just like tumbleweed and dryness for probably like 14 hours. I mean, it was just like that whole middle part of the country. And, you know, it was it was different because most of the time we're doing these long drives at night. You know, we do a show. We get back on the bus. We're sleeping for most of it. So, you know, the funny part, speaking of Dustin, is we had to rearrange where everyone was sleeping. So three of us girls went into Dustin's room so we could fit more people in a bed and like put people in bunks. And he has this little like roll up window thing um, where you can like look out at the, the scenery going by while you're lying in the bed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, the best part of that room is that window. He's like, yeah, but the one time we had a daytime drive, I didn't get to see it <laughs> <laughs> because he's always in it at night. So, yeah. Well, so, let me yeah, ask I mean, you this. But if, when you're going through New Mexico, okay, because you guys are space people, serious space people, and I have to surmise that the aliens are smarter than us. And like, as the NSA has already admitted because of the dude from Blink-182, there are aliens. They exist. Don't you think they want Dustin? That's a good question. Uh, Dustin would probably what, know more about they, that than I do. What do they need him for? I feel like he, you're the star set. Aren't you the guys like, aren't you the people on behalf of Earth that should be speaking to interstellar, interplanetary beings? I bet Starset fans would know more about that than I probably do. <laughs> <laughs> Go to a meet and greet and all your questions will be answered by other people. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, uh, you know, obviously going through, you know, your your experience now, but, you know, how is the overall the, uh, the headline tour going? Brock, you want to It's awesome. Yeah. Incredible. Like, uh, you know, now that, like, post-post-COVID, I guess, like, the the shows are finally filling up, you know, I feel like a lot more people are going to shows compared to our last tour, you know. Um, And basically, like, I have to turn my in-ear monitors up every night because the crowd's singing so loud. And then, I mean that's that's pretty awesome, but it really brings up the noise floor when you're trying to hear your band. <laughs> yeah, well, and it was an interesting perspective too, like going from starting the tour with Seether and Ben and doing arenas and being like way further from the audience, and then kind of coming back. You know, we're doing House of Blues, um, and we you know we have some opening bands too. We have Red on the road with us, and they're awesome. So it's been kind of cool to like hear them play every night while we're getting dressed. But um, yeah, it's it's like a very special experience when the people show up for you, you know, you're like the main act and there are people that know your songs. And, you know, even in the VIPs, like someone yesterday was asking Dustin, like, oh, can you can you name all the songs on every album? Like right now, he's like, you can probably name them faster than yeah. I can, you know, because these are people that are like, they live and breathe star set and they're so into it and they come up and they've, they've made artwork for us and they're into all the story and you know so being at that the energy at that show is definitely like a different feel than when we were doing the arenas because it's people that are all like super immersed into the star set universe in a lot well, of ways I think I think especially watching this last tour because I've seen you guys play 
all different size venues that there's no question that people are you can see the people in the audience like to see their people so for example in front of me there was a whole aisle of people that watched the star set show like this like all the you know. yeah the arms crossed yeah and, and then afterwards one guy looks at the, at the other guy and he goes I think I've heard these people, I think I heard them on the radio. They're really good. I should probably add them to my Spotify. And then, of course, me behind them, I'm like the Jewish man, like, they're star set. They're really great. They're from outer space. Like, I, I love I love the opportunity to get to, but you guys blow people the fuck away with your show. In fact, my buddy Kenny, who's one of my guitar students, who pays me entirely too much an hour to like let me go, like, your guitar playing sucks, goes, you know who my new favorite band is? Star set. I just saw them at like, was it like Rockville or Rocklahoma? I don't know what the fuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah. And he's like, they were so good. Like they put on like such like an immersive experience. Like he like used even like the the adjectives that, you know, Dustin would want you to project. Yeah. Immersive, complete, holistic, like using all these things. Because you guys, I have to say this. So I love Breaking Ben and I love Seether. Great bands. And those are bands that have been around for a long time. So when you go and see them, First off, a band like Seether, I said this to, to, to Corey uh, Lowry from uh, the guitarist from Seether. I could not believe show. how many. Yeah, I cannot believe how many songs of theirs I know. I don't know that many Star Set songs, and I know that a lot of people in the audience didn't know your songs. But what they don't know, you make up in show and just consistently just pounding him with things like when it's done lasers when it's not over <laughs> it goes to the chalice and she's just going crazy and then it's like there's a keyboard guy in the back and then it's all dark and then a different flag falls down or something and like yeah. there's not one room to go get a beer during your set and it's a little obnoxious because i like to go like just float around for the the drum solo there's no drum solo there's no drum, yeah no it really is it really is continuous and like what you were saying i mean you guys came out and saw us when we were out with ben and seether and it was it was really nice of them to let us use that much production because yeah when we do our headline tours usually it's a big scale up from doing an an opening set because a lot of times you're limited in what you can bring but um, you know, that's what Ben and the band wanted. They they wanted us to like do as full of a show as we could do, which was awesome because that's so much a part of the brand yeah. and the experience. It's you know, it's it's like theater, you know. So without a lot of that, it's hard to pull off. Yeah, in terms of the performance stuff, uh, you know, maybe Brock and Siobhan, you guys can talk about what 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 do you like about you know, say a big uh, you know support tour versus the headline tour. Um, versus like even the acoustic tour you guys did. Can you guys compare, you know, the aspects that you liked about each one and how they differ? You go, Brock. Um, You're quiet today. I mean, support tours, I call them vacation tours because your set is shorter. You, you play earlier. You're done earlier. Uh, you can hang out uh, way more. And it's just more laid back. And there's And plus, like, you know, you're usually opening for somebody that, you know, some awesome band that, and plus you get to hang out with them, you know? So, uh, I don't know if I like support tours better than headline tours. It's just less work, but. <laughs> Brock is in a sleepy <laughs> mood today, so he's thinking the shorter the better, man. <laughs> but headline tours are, are best because, you know, those are your fans. And the shows are so much more intense. Even, like, our... I feel that our headline tour right now is a is kind of more intense than even that arena tour because all the f people are there to see you know us or 
Red or some of the other bands, but like they all sing our songs, so like it's so loud. The arena tour was cool because you're just looking out at you know thousands and thousands of people, but uh, yeah, well, continuing on that too, I mean, you know, what you have to think of from the fans' perspective if you know the music and you've also been to the show multiple times, you as the artist have to bring something new, even if you're playing the same set, mm -hmm. you know, so you know, a lot of the set that we're playing cover some of the same songs we did. I mean, in different cities, we're covering a different region, but, you know, I think, you have I think to it's different than that, though, because I feel like you guys are like a magic show because you have, first off, your stage production, other than like Nine Inch Nails at Lollapalooza, like it's unparalleled. So it's like it's, it's one of those things that even if you were on mute, I'd still be like, this is interesting. Like my, that, which is great because, you know, there's a lot of bands that come out there, like, and I'll give you a band again, like Nine Inch Nails, when they decide to tour just as a band, boring. But when they bring out all the crazy, like, they show up on one side of the stage and they have lasers behind them and all that. But the thing is with your band, you guys, and I, I tip my hat to Dustin, and anytime I talk to a new band, I'm like, you want to see an archetype of a band? Talk, like, go see Star Set. Because, I've said this before. I finally got to say it to Dustin, but like I got my lawnmower and my snowblower fixed by Kevin down the street from me because Sarah, his girlfriend, is obsessed with you guys. Obsessed with you guys. And in fact, they had asked me if they would. Uh, I had brought them a signed picture of you guys from the last time we saw you, and I gave it to them, and they they their minds melted. And literally, like two days later. One of the, like, my garbage disposal broke. So I was like, dude, it's because I gave them the picture. I already preemptively paid Kevin <laughs> So you're Kevin using and me to get free labor <laughs> no, from your neighbors, in other words. What I'm trying to tell you is that you guys are so immersive and so intense that my neighbor's girlfriend loves you so much that he'll come down on his free time and fix my shit and thank me for a signed picture of you guys because you got, it's literally a universe. They look at you as like super beings and they're like, are they really from space? Man, I, they... I wonder how I can leverage this. I wonder if I get rid of that that food box you guys signed, what I can uh, exchange that for. Goods you and never services. know. Like, I always laugh about a that. Lot. I'm like, what do people want this for? But I mean, it's, it's, it's like a different level of fandom. And even Dustin says it at the show is, you know, he's like, I feel like our fans are some of the best fans in, in Rockdom because yeah. they're just so, so dedicated and like also super creative and positive people, yeah. you know, like a really, really good fan base of like people that are like care about you, you know, and are very committed to your music and your mission it and all that. It speaks to the depth that you guys have uh, kind of created with the music where it's not just the songs. There's, there's so much more to it because there's, you know hardcore fans of a lot of bands but there there's definitely something unique um at star set shows that i've never seen at any other kind of gig like that yeah no it's been amazing i mean that's you know to, i guess to go back to your question i mean i i love playing the headline tours because you know that energy does exist that isn't quite there mm -hmm. all the time when you're playing first to a bigger audience and also to people who've never seen you before you know because there's kind of like the stun factor of like oh i don't know this music like what's this band about so you can kind of tell people are like checking it out and they're like trying to figure out what's going on. Whereas, you know, you play the first note of a hook in one of our songs at the beginning of the set. And by the second note, everyone knows the song and they're screaming and cheering, you know. And so it's it's yeah, it's different. But um, but it's cool. I mean, you know, the level of venues that we're playing right now, there's a lot of variability in the stages. Some of them are House of Blues and then some are smaller stages. So, I mean, our set like kind of 
the spatial arrangement of what you see on stage is different like almost every day depending on the size of the venue um, and the shape of the stage and you know where it's at I mean we've had yeah. some you know speaking of spinal tap moments some like funny stages on this tour yeah, or like, like funny venue setups like the other day a kabuki drop is like a giant curtain that goes in front of the stage and they drop oh it at the beginning so that had to be like mid stage so when it fell it just caught my headstock on my guitar. Okay. And just like, I'm just like playing like this. <laughs> like, I can't get this kabuki off my, it like got caught on the string burr. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Usually like, that's my finger, off. like one inch into my muscle. So, I mean, I guess I feel bad for you, but yeah. Well, speaking that's of that, I, I thought you were caught. going to reference another story. Actually, the other day, I don't even know if I should say this, but I have a video of it I'll send to you, Corey. Um, they were setting up the kabuki and I'm sitting there at sound check and I'm like, oh, Ernie, every, everyone knows Dustin's dog, Ernie, the little Frenchie. Uh, yeah. And he's, you know, he'll come into the venue around sound check and run around and do his stuff. And so Dylan, one of our stage guys, is like laying out the kabuki, figuring out where it's going to go. And Ernie like goes to lay on the kabuki. It's all spread out. And I'm like, oh, so cute, Ernie, taking videos. And then he just pops up and takes a giant piss in the middle of the kabuki. <laughs> and all the all of our stage crew comes running like, oh my God. You know, and this, it was like the biggest piss of all time and he just like popped up and just like boop peed all over it and they're like spraying it down because this is the thing that like starts our show yeah. right there's like a Big giant white curtain with ernie pee all over it that's is that the epic. one situation where dustin can't really get that mad though because it's his dog oh i mean he he reprimands him he's like what he's like what's wrong with you today like what is going on here but yeah ernie's a hoot like he's his own thing at at like VIPs, you know, just running around. Oh, it's, he completely it, usurps you. Uh, you guys invited me to one of them and you guys are playing and doing, and then meanwhile, Ernie's walking around and like you have either pay attention to the to, to star set or pay attention to the super cute Frenchie that's like, you know, right near your leg looking all cute. It's like, I kind of like the dog, like must pet all dogs. So it's like, <laughs> it's not helping you with your fans. I mean, fortunately, all those people that have paid to be in that VIP are usually very into you anyway. But Ernie still, still takes away. It, he's just, he's so cute. Yeah, well, he has his own merch now. He's got like a t-shirt. Yeah. So a lot of people show up at VIP with his t-shirt on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this dog. <laughs> so are you guys going to do a live album? Because I feel like that needs to happen. Because after seeing you guys live, uh, don't you think that you could penetrate even more of the market now? Like you did a super awesome like live video? Because you just said something really interesting to me on your on your headlining tour you have to turn up your in-ear monitors because your fans are too much like the Beatles in that they're so loud, you can't even hear yourself on stage, which is psychotic. So don't you think you should capture, like, since you have, like, the most intense, rabid fans, maybe do, like, a live video? We Well, we do actually have a few on YouTube. Um, I think Manifest and uh, a couple others, like, from, from big shows that we've done, we do have some live, like videos that with the live audio from from the show but yeah i don't know an album could also be cool i i'm out of control in that regard <laughs> but i mean i'm sure maybe someday we'll we'll do something like that um i think that would fall under the like with like so there has to be so many years after an album to be right. able to re-record it so it's the oh, same the songs, as like yeah. some of the albums you can't release acoustic track or like acoustic versions for until so many years 
like it's a bunch of label stuff so um they don't allow you to do it so i don't know maybe someday it would be cool i mean i personally record it myself (laughs) (laughs) i just can't give it to everybody else (laughs) all right we'll we'll take those bootlegs yeah Yeah. Well, I mean, no, it's interesting, though, because we talk about this, too, because you're living in an in-ear monitor mix, right? So you can kind of design it so that you're able to play the show well and hear what you want to hear. But you never really get to hear, other than, like, looking at iPhone videos from social media, you don't really get to hear much of, like, what it actually sounds like. So that's part of the discussion we have, like, every day, which you guys get, you know, it's like... I wonder what this sounds like out there. And until we hear, like, kind of a live, like, from the board recorded version... You have no idea, you know, and it's interesting when you go back and you listen, like he was listening to some previous live tracks and you can hear like in your playing, whether you could hear yourself well that day or not, or whether there was crowd noise. So it's, it's interesting to analyze those live shows. Mm -hmm. So you guys uh, are on the headline tour now. You came off the, the Seether and Breaking Benjamin tour. Uh, Was there any, any break in between or how, how do you how are you guys feeling in terms of your life on the road oh, <laughs> and how long it's been over it yeah been out here many miles <laughs> many miles um no there was well here you talk talk no, about go it ahead. no there was zero break i mean like yeah. we basically we sat in nashville for a day and a half I think. yeah i mean basically yeah we finished the bend tour had about a day and a half in nashville which was really just so that we could flip over production so um there was a bunch of stuff that we had to add on, like repack things, you know, because we were limited in what we could bring to a certain extent. Now we've got a big truck, so they had to pack everything into the truck, get more of the production from the warehouse, um, and then, yeah, get on the road. And, you know, especially now, so the, some of the drives are a lot longer. It's a little bit more intense. So we kind of <laughs> spoiled ourselves too early because we were playing a 30-minute set, having two days off every couple of days where you could really reset. Now it's yeah. like... Long, you know, long days, long shows, long drives. Bus problems. Bus problems. (laughs) And I think a lot of that, the bus problems, like, if you look at the routing for our tour, it's really messed up. And it's messed up because every band is out right now. You know, like, everybody's touring. There's so many shows and so many acts. uh, And a lot of people competing for the the, same venues, you know? Yeah, everybody's competing for the same venues, so, like... Like, we had to drive to Boise for a day off and then drive to Seattle to play a show. And then, what was it, Seattle, Portland, and then back to Boise. And then back to California. And then back to California. Like, so we just went over the mountains, like, every night for, I think, like, probably over a week. Yeah. So is this is this Ron this is pulling out his hair, hair. like trying to like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> navigate oh, this yeah. whole well, thing? Oh yeah. Well, it's I mean it's it's amazing like how much I still don't even understand about like booking things, you know, cuz a lot of people look at Ron too and they're like, "Why do we have this crazy routing?" He's like, "I don't know, like agent, you know? Like, it's like everyone thinks that there's somebody in the band that's yeah. in control of that." And they're like so many I mean, he was even explaining it to me how venues and promoters and agents like book shows and this sort of like tier system that I couldn't even explain to you. But, um, you know, even when confirming tours, there are so many things. There's like a big gap in time where you, uh, there's uncertainty and, you know, trying to fill in, you know, your top markets. So, it, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild how things work out. And, yeah, you're right. It's a lot of it comes down to so many people trying to hit the road and recapture the energy of touring while they can and a lot of people going through the same venues yeah 
trying to build it back up again, you know? Brock, let me ask you this, uh, you know, obviously, obviously Siobhan is, you know, you guys are both out and we, we deal with Siobhan with the Lost Symphony stuff. We know that she's always got a, a ton of things going on. When you've been out for so long uh, with the star set stuff, are you still doing any writing of your own or, or, or working on anything to get your mind outside, you know, and step away from the star set mindset? No, I get into like travel mode. I don't really write yep. anything, but like, I, I like to see stuff. Um, um, you know, depending on where we're at. <laughs> um, I guess just like, you know, just, I practice, you know, I pull out my guitar in the dressing room and kind of noodle around and, you know, I waste a lot of time <laughs> throughout the day, honestly, to be completely honest with you, I waste a lot of time. Like, well, it's hard. It's I'm going to go sit in the dressing room. Okay, I'm going to go back to the bus and sit. Now I'm going to, you know, go to stage and, you know, see if the crew needs coffee or, you know. <laughs> it's a, it's, I sit there and tinker with my guitars, you know. It's a How, weird state of existence, though. Like, I... I can totally understand that. And we've talked about it on the show before, but like, yeah, tour life. I think it was Adam that said that like, sometimes it's harder to have a different job in the same office than it is to have the same job in a different office every yeah. day, right? Because yeah, you basically I have to spend that. like a certain percent of your energy every day and figuring out normal Just shit. Like where He's is- getting acclimated to what's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, you, you wake up and you're like, okay, where is the door to this venue? Where is the dress? And it sounds like very mundane and like easy, but like when, you know, you're tired, maybe you had a rough sleep the night before going through mountains and then you wake up, it's all right. Like, okay, I got to find where I can brush my teeth and take a shower today. And you know, where, what, what's around here for coffee. And like, you know, you kind of spend a good chunk of your time on energy, just figuring out how to do normal people things, <laughs> you know? And then the rest of the day, it's like, especially on the headline tours, right? It's uh, coming back to that. I mean, some of the support tours are a little more manageable mentally because, mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of last to come on stage to load in your stuff and you're first to go on or second to go on. So you're kind of in like a chunk of five hours in the middle of the day where you kind of do everything all at once. There's not much break. But headline tours, it's like, all right, you're first to go on stage for sound checking. Then there's a couple hours. Then we sound check our VIP. Then there's a little bit of time. Then we do the VIP. Then there's a little more time. And then there's the show, you know? So by the end of the day, you have to kind of manage your energy so that you can be at your peak for the, the important part, which is the main stage show, right? Yeah. yeah. While still giving your best throughout the day and all the other things, you know? Kind of speaking of keeping that energy up, um, I once talked to Jason Costa from All That Remains, and he mentioned that whenever they were heading out for a big tour, uh, because he always kept uh, like tour hours in his life, he was able to kind of hop on and kind of be with it right off the first date. But everyone else in the band would try to be, you know, normal people and wake up early uh, when they're off tour. So the first like week and a half of tour was just like, you know, anarchy, at, you know, at night and everyone's kind of passing out. Uh, and this is something that I'm dealing with right now because uh, I went to Austria for, for more than two weeks, which pushed my sleep schedule way up. I used to, I mean, I, I was always a night owl. So, um, I, I gig on the weekends. I can play till one or two in the morning, drive home for an hour or two, get home wide awake. Then I can go to bed and I'm fine because you know, the six hour time difference since we've been back from Austria, I'm waking up at like 7am now, which is unheard of for me playing gigs and I'm getting out at 11 o'clock and I'm like driving down the road, like just trying to like navigate. And it's 
it's the first time in years that I've had this sleep schedule and it's a nightmare. So how do you guys, um, Cocaine. Transition, do, you, do you transition well uh, to like the the touring, uh, you know, schedule? Or do you, this or do you, is or how do we do it. <laughs> <laughs> but do you Starbucks? But Brock, you you maintain somewhat late hours when you're off tour, right? Yeah, yeah. My my schedule from touring to not touring doesn't really change. I try to be earlier, like get up earlier when I'm home. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes I fall completely off the wagon, and you know, I'm like a ten, ten thirty kind of person. On tour, I guess I'm more like eleven. Well, yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, like three in the morning is when I go to sleep. Yeah, I, I would say I I definitely have a harder time than he does. Um, and yeah, when I'm home, it kind of depends because I'm also gigging at home too, right? So it sort of depends. I think even from day to day within the week, my schedule is pretty inconsistent. But, you know, everyone's always like making fun of me. But I sometimes, I take naps. Like that's kind yeah. of how I survive she naps. tour because I don't know, you know, I feel like I'm just fresh when I've been up for like an hour or two, you know, rather than it's the end of the day and I'm exhausted. Yeah. I can't do it. I tried to nap like in the middle of the day on a show day. And when I just go back to the show, it's just, it's like my worst shows. Oh, yeah. Or when I, or when I nap, it's like I can't come out of my nap. I can't wake up. Well, how long are you napping? <laughs> uh, for me, well, it's a, yeah, it's hard to not nap for a long time. But I, I try to, I try to plan it out. I mean, I'm a little bit more like neurotic with planning my day than he is. He kind of goes with the flow. But, you know, I try and plan it where it's like I know that I can't sleep too long, that I'm groggy. So I won't go take a nap like right after VIP I like you know read or like eat something or do some task whatever that I need to do and then take a nap mm -hmm. so that it's like limited to 45 minutes or something yeah because there's nothing worse than actually laying down and sleeping for like three at three and a half hours oh, yeah. then you wake up you're like ah, I don't feel any better <laughs> no I, and I would totally do that if I had the choice because it would be so easy to fall asleep and just knock out but well, do you find that that's obnoxious that like when you actually have the opportunity to sleep is when your body's like, I am so awake. I feel like I can just walk around and go anywhere. You're like, it's 347 in the morning right now. And well, I should and be totally tired. tired. You're and right. Then, but, then, but then the next day, like when you got a little bit, like you're like, I feel like I'm a walking dead person. And it's like, <laughs> why couldn't I have been this way at 347 at the Holiday Inn? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm about to walk on stage at a giant fucking festival and I feel like I'm gonna die. Yeah, that's so true. And that's the hard thing about like after the show is when you're headlining, you're playing late and then your adrenaline is still going. So so I, I think most of us have a problem like trying to get to bed soon after that because you just can't, you know, you're like up until probably two, two thirty. A lot of us, yeah. you know, so. And then, of course, there's always the unpredictable moments of like, are we going to have to hop in a car and deal with the bus today <laughs> and then add to that exhaustion? You know, it's but I think you know, it's not just us. Everybody deals with that. Like you just, there's no predictability when you're traveling across the country and dealing with all sorts of variables that could go wrong. But you just make it well, work. Yeah, like you said, the office is different every day. So yeah. it's, it's kind of exhausting, you know? There's, yeah. there's peace and repetition. Like, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> it, no, it's Moder true. Everything I, in I, moderation, right? Yeah. <laughs> But I'm okay. Yeah, well, let me ask you this: Is it a good trade-off for normality of, let's say, your biorhythmic schedules to uh, actually be rock stars? Because as much as like I, I do feign 
feeling bad for you, I would still love to be like, I don't know, streamed billions of times. Like, isn't that a cool thing? Yeah. Is it worth it? Oh, it's definitely worth it. Hey, man, we're just trying to explain to you how we cope. Hey, man. Like, you know? Hey, man. I'm sorry. No, it's not aggressive. Got aggressive. I'm sorry. Trust me. Some people have it way worse. No, he's just funny. No, it's definitely worth it. I mean, no, and I think about that every day. It's like, you know, if I feel prone to complain about something stupid, like, oh, like, you know, the, the grievance yesterday. So Z and I, who we've had on the show, Zuzana, like she and I, our favorite thing to do. She's in Lost Symphony, our band that sponsors this show. Our favorite thing to do is to like gripe about like what's missing from the venue today or why the mirror is like it's not at an ideal height or like yeah. why there's not an outlet that's anywhere in the bathroom, but there's an outlet like on the ceiling in the dressing room. And it's like, who's gonna, yeah. you know? So, I mean, whenever I feel prone to complaining about this stuff, I have to like check myself and be like, you know what? <laughs> You are very lucky to do what you're doing. It's okay you that know, there isn't a shower today. You know, and that you might have to like use, you know, your do your makeup in the dark or whatever, you know. I have an idea for a television show. We should get you and Susanna and we should have two baristas from fucking Starbucks switch and try to be in your band and then you guys try to work at Starbucks for all the assholes in the morning that are tired like you guys on tour. Be like, "Where's my coffee?" And that but that's all you have to deal with all day. No, I, yeah, I mean, everyone has to maintain that perspective. That's that's a, a great idea. I mean, I've Put worked... the shoe on the other foot. Shoe yeah. <laughs> no, but I think, I mean, I think back to, you know, like, we've both worked plenty of other jobs in our life where, I mean, like, I worked at Starbucks in New York City for several months what? when I was oh, in college. Oh, shit, talk about that. Talk about that. What was that like? Oh, it was, it was wild because, and it's funny because it almost made me a little bitchier when I'm at Starbucks because I worked in Manhattan at a Starbucks while I was doing an internship in college right across from the hospital I, I can't remember what part of town it was but there was so many people you know you think of Manhattan it's like one of the busiest places in the country right and like when people come into Starbucks there's like a line and you got to move really really fast so like it got to the point I mean these people that were I worked with were insane with their memory they would see someone coming from the hospital across the street and know what they wanted and have their order ready you know, because they'd have some regular clients like the doctors and people that came, but there was still all the normal tourists walking around. So they were like some of the fastest baristas I've ever seen in the world because they're just like, you know, you got to move. And then sometimes I'll go to a Starbucks in the middle of the country where it's a little bit sleepier. And I'm just like, oh, if these people just knew what it was like at the Manhattan Starbucks, they would move <laughs> faster. <laughs> the, uh, I, the I, Florida for me, if I go to order a coffee or something in Florida, anywhere, doesn't matter where in Florida, I feel this sense of rage because I or have the simplest order. It would be like like large cold brew black. Okay, what size? Like, <laughs> like uh, large. Okay, uh, would you want in it? You know, <laughs> there's, there's there's like something about uh, and you know never having worked in, in a coffee shop, but just having ordered coffee for the last 15 years of my life, and like you know in Boston it's similar to New York where it's like just just say what you want, and they're just you know people are on top of it, they're probably a little angry, a little douchey, whatever, but they'll get you your shit, and then for some reason, it, just every place in Florida, it's just like it, it, it just well, slow down, man, slow down. Did you say iced? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, but what's the, like, we, there's only one thing worse than that is then when you go to get your order and then the order's completely wrong and then the only thing worse than that is when you've actually driven away 
and you have to make the decision in your mind. Are you going to go back and confront that asshole and tell them to correct your order? <laughs> going back to a Dunkin' or a McDonald's or anything like that, to me, it seems so... Like, you go back, like, this isn't good. They're like, yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> 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 what did you What did you want? <laughs> no, listen, listen. Uh, uh, my daughter's girlfriend works at McDonald's now. They pay $18 an hour, bro. Wow. So time, the times here are changing. So were you? So there, there's a lot of things that have changed. Maybe we should get a job. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm going to go to work for McDonald's. For $7, I could go to McDonald's and I could get like so fat that I hated myself and still leave three nuggets. Now $7 buys me like a Big Mac and like a small drink with no fries. Okay, so $18 an hour they pay people because McDonald's still wants to exist in these COVID years because they've realized that people still want food. So it is now a better, more opportune place. And you can go work any one of them. So if, like, if you feel like Star Set isn't working out, you actually want to <laughs> we have a we career. We were just making that joke. We're like, maybe we'll go work for McDonald's. <laughs> well, listen, so if, if a line level employee makes $18 an hour, what do you think a store manager makes? Man, I don't you know. could be moving up. Or district manager. Brock could totally be the most badass district manager for a McDonald's. I'm telling you, Brock. <laughs> well, I think Brock might have told this on his original episode, but that that was kind of one of the transition points for him was when he was like speaking of one of his prior jobs. You want to talk about it? Is it yeah, the, the cell KF phone gig or something? No, I no. worked for KFC in high school. Oh. And they said, hey, we want to promote you to manager. And I say, I, I told him, I was like, I got to put in my two weeks notice. <laughs> like I'm out of here. I'm not getting stuck working at KFC in this tiny town, you know? So yeah, I quit on the spot and then moved to Columbus. Oh, I thought you said you put your two weeks in. So you put your two weeks in, but then just quit on the spot. Yeah. 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 Just Cause like he it. just didn't want to get stuck, you know? And that's what kind of imagine, this. imagine what could have been though. You could have been, <laughs> yeah. you could have had, had well, my manager was, she was, she was blown away. She was like, wait, what? You like, don't want to end giving you management, and I'm like, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I, wor I worked at a Best Buy, and I remember I was taking off all these days because I was going to concerts, I was doing recording sessions, I was traveling and all that, but I gave them months' notice. And they didn't like that because when you work at like one of those places, they, they need your indentured servitude. Not as much anymore because now it's a it's it's a workers market, not a hiring market. Because now they want you to work. But back then they had you by by the balls. And I remember they pulled me into an office and they said you didn't come in this one day for your shift. So it was a no call, no show. And I'm like, if you look at my schedule, I'm like, I am unavailable at that time. They're like, well, you have to be here. We scheduled you then. And I'm like, I didn't think to be there. I came in when I could and I literally said to them, they're like, well, they're like, well, we're not trying to offend you, but like, you have to be there on time. I'm like, no offense, but go fuck yourself. That's, what I said. <laughs> it's my, that's literally what I said to my manager, Larry, who's still my friend to this day. Cause he was like, he's like, no offense, but you can't do that. I'm like, no offense, but go fuck yourself. And he's like, and you're fired. And I'm like, and I'm going to the beach. And I literally <laughs> got up and I went to the beach and I grilled with my buddy pitcher. And then, like, maybe three months later at a Def Leppard concert, I'm smoking weed on the lawn, and there's Larry. And Larry's like, man, I didn't, I didn't really have to fire you. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You want one? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, pour some sugar on me. Like, you want to come back? And I'm like, only if I can, like not wear a blue shirt. I can come in like in a, a tie so I don't feel like a fucking Smurf, and I can kind of do whatever I want. He's like, that's fine. 
And then I worked at Best Buy for a while longer and I was like a made man. They didn't fuck with me because I was, they're like, oh, he knows way more than everybody here. It's like, don't fuck with him. Like, we're lucky to have that asshole. <laughs> no, but that's, that's, that's like one of the rare occasions where you can kind of have some level of freedom. Cause you're right. I mean, corporate life feels like indentured servitude to me. And like, you know, just speaking of like McDonald's paying $18 an hour, it's, it's remarkable how underpaid most people in the music industry are. Like people in bands, creative people that are writing, working in studios, whatever. You know, and then in other places, they're like, please, we'll give you more money just to show up, you know, yeah. <laughs> just like be here. Um, but, you know, the, the, the benefit is the freedom. You know, you can be your own little expert in your own field. You're kind of an entrepreneur. I mean, it's it is like the best life. So you really can't complain. I mean, it's I think back to all the jobs that I've had of, you know, working in law firms or Starbucks or whatever it was in retail and it's like at the end of the day you go home and you feel like you don't have ownership of it anything because it belongs to someone else you know and you always have to report to the rules mm -hmm. and the, somebody that's telling you what you can and can't do you know so it's definitely worth it I think it, it's the the repetition thing we were talking about earlier like you kind of said that there's there's some a real there's a little bit of comfort in it but I think too much of it um is just soul crushing like if you if you know what's gonna happen, not only tomorrow but in two and a half weeks on Thursday, if you know what you'll be doing, that freaks me out now. And I did that for a long time, and I'm very very glad that now I have not a fucking clue what's gonna happen next Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> it was much easier for me because I got to tell you the retail the retail landscape has changed drastically over the last decade. Um, because I remember when I was working at Circuit City, rest in peace, right? Circuit City, remember that place, and. I remember this is, so I, I actually joined a, a team called Generation C where I actually got to invent things. So I got to fly back and forth from Florida to Richmond, Virginia, which was their home base, which is the fucking worst place to ever go. Don't ever go to Richmond, Virginia. And then th to stay in Boston, which was like our test our test area. So we had Florida and we had Boston as our test areas. And we designed things like if you walk into a Best Buy now, they have a wall of, um, of televisions. At the time, they were putting televisions on like all shelves and things. So we're like, we're going to design a television wall. We're going to mount these new flat panel televisions. And I, I got paid to do that. And I, it was invigorating. We built the bottom line 15%. And then one day they said, we got to fire everyone making over 13, 15 an hour. And some of these people were making $40 an hour with commission and all kinds of crazy shit that had been working there since like the 80s because Circuit City started in like 1937. Seriously, it started way the fuck long ago. They had circuits back then? Yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. No, no, it's like 40s, 1940s. I'm dead serious. That's when the Circuit City started. Yeah, it's, it's fucking old, bro. I, I, I didn't last much longer at that company. I literally start, immediately started looking for another job because I'm like, I can't fire 60 year old people I should be opening doors for and being nice to and, and respecting because they're my elders and learning from as a 23 year old asshole because some corporate office is saying oh no we no one makes over 13 15 an hour so I don't want to do retail ever again that's why I stay in my basement and I don't even try to go outside and I, I'm agoraphobic <laughs> it can be soul crushing I don't like anything and, it's uh, soul crushing and, and you're right 1949 although it wasn't called wow. it wasn't called Circuit City <laughs> no it wasn't called Circuit City at the beginning no but it, it, the company started in the 40s I, yeah. I lied that's, that's about wild. 37 I didn't know that yeah it's, that's, Ward's, that's, that's Ward's a sad loading thing. dock <laughs> yeah, but that's why it's sad that yeah. Circuit City 
is no longer because that like, I mean, that was a really like that was an American. Like, they also own CarMax. CarMax is still around. So for some reason in like the 90s or early 2000s, they thought it would be a cool idea to have a CarMax. And at one point, they even had Circuit Cities with CarMaxes. They're like, you could drive a car out of here and get a stereo, which was a horrible <laughs> idea. But like CarMax is what still a, a thing. <laughs> yeah. So this is retail, and this is what happens when you work in retail because all these people see you. Like, I just saw my old district manager at a Paul McCartney concert, and he was like, hey, Betty, how are you? And I'm like, he's like, I'm at Big Lots. And I'm like, I love him, and I'm sure he's making good money, but I'm like, he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, way better than you, bro. Like, that, like, like, yeah. like, like, not in a mean, I didn't say it like that. No, I was happy to see him, but he could tell. Like, he's like, you're still doing music? I'm like, yeah. He's like, you got out. You ran while the running was good. You know what I mean? Because that's how it is. The you get out thing, I've heard so many times, it's hilarious. (laughs) It's like people come up to you, they're like, so what's it like to be on the outside of like... (laughs) Of success, <laughs> it's You're great. Like, yeah, yeah. Sometimes right. of success. No, and I play gigs sometimes, but there are people that will come up to me that are like, "Oh, so is this what you do?" I'm like, "Well, yeah." I mean, it's, <laughs> like it's it's still really shocking to some people to have like, you know, and a lot of the times it's people of the older generation, you know, where it's like not what probably wasn't as feasible to bank on a music career. I don't know, but a lot of people still ask me that if you know if they don't know like don't see me on tour or whatever I'm playing a, just a private gig you know and the assumption is always like you must be doing something else to sustain C- this Cindy yeah. looks at me and I'll li- so I literally have people in town right now that, that she likes them the, the, uh, these wonderful uh, we had Shanique Kimmelman on the show she's here Israeli oh, guitarist awesome. virtuoso and Abby Ortiz who's this great singer and they're here and they've paid me a pretty considerable amount of money which I'm very excited about and Cindy sees me and I'm my, my fiance and I'm like stoned as fuck and she's like uh, and I'm like, but I'm being paid right now to make music and they're happy with me. And like, we want to smoke together. And like, my job isn't real to her because I'm working smart, not hard. Like I could be stoned as fuck in my own basement and never leave. And like, I'm still being paid to be here. People fly from around the world to be here. And she's just like, why? I can't wait to hear these tracks working? where you forgot to turn on the mic or like you're going to have something facing around. <laughs> yeah. it. No, no, stoned no. as fuck. I don't know what's going on. No, no, no. Listen, I, that's, that's not true because I'm going to teach some something to somebody because, okay, so like when, when I play piano and I play very, you know, all arpeggios and stuff, it's because it's in my basal ganglia. So let me explain something to you. So when you first learned to drive, right, you had to like think about where the gas was versus where the the, the brake was and then not to put both feet on them. Like, and then like if you're going to shift, heaven forbid you're using a standard and like when you put the clutch in and all that, you had to think about it. And then you got so used to it, it moved from your cerebellum to your basal ganglia so you could get fucking wasted and still drive home driving your standard and fucking make it because you're not thinking about it. Kind of how like when you program your arms and your hands for a star set set you could be looking at someone in the audience it's muscle memory i don't think muscle memory works uh when you're absolutely shit-faced i don't think that's the scientifically (laughs) uh accurate statement shit face i don't get shit-faced well completely fucked out of your mind uh regardless of the substance i don't don't know if muscle memory is is uh as that is looking guilty right (laughs) well hold on a second i might have smoked something before this show And I don't know if this is yellow journalism and I'm just seeing what I want on Google. But so Cindy was also asking me, she's like, that has to fuck with your lungs, smoking pot. And I'm like, I mean, it makes sense that it would. And then I go and read something online and it was a study of a, this is like a legit study. Google it. It's a 
Corey could fact check me all he Everything wants. on the internet they, is true. They, right. <laughs> for sure. And it, it works for my agenda. They had a bunch of cigarette smokers and a bunch of pot smokers for like, I don't know, a hundred days. And they all smoked like every single day. And they wanted to see their lung capacity. And some of the people that smoked pot actually had an increased lung capacity. And I'm like, I could maybe believe that. It's probably yeah, got because it has some medicinal long rips, like six yeah. foot. Yeah, it might help capacity. It's just it's still filling your lungs with a carcinogen, but it's fine. <laughs> you can you can fit more carcinogens in your lungs. It's great. I mean, yeah, I guess it's like training. If you keep lifting weights, you'll get bigger muscles. If you keep trying to inhale more smoke, your lungs might get bigger. That's probably that, not scientific. Is that like the but. Japanese? Is, is that like the bonk people who hit their head every single day against the wall, and then eventually they could smash stone with it because they made their their skulls so it's like exactly thick. like that? I think. <laughs> That's a thing, dude. That's You've made thing. all of us get, sound very serious. I just want to know where you get some of this stuff, Benny. One of my I buddies, think, I don't Josh Bronzik, it's a six degree black sash in, in like Kung Fu or whatever fucking weird thing he does. And he's like six foot five. He actually one time picked me up by my neck like this. And he he would tell me these things like, I've actually been hitting my head and I've been hitting my hand. Like, and he has a wood human in his basement made of all those woods and he hits it hard, hard every fucking day. So he can fucking smash through your fucking head with his fucking hand. So when they say, like, in a court of law, like, your hands are actually weapons, they can be if you, like, build up calcium or whatever the fuck you do to, like, make your hand. You can do it. It's an actual thing. And, yeah, I learned that because he's a six-degree black sash because he's so good at what he does, he has to go to New York City to fight someone that can actually beat him. That's what's how the, crazy. What's the difference between a black sash and a black belt? You would have to talk to someone that knows. Whether you're doing wu, whether you're doing wushu, okay. So wushu, for example, I learned is actually like a dancing performance martial art versus kung fu or krav maga, which is actually an Israeli martial art, is meant to fucking kill. So like they're different types. So like if you're wushuing, you're wushuing like buffalo, buffalo, flat ball change versus like krav maga is like you're dead. Shalom. Useful information yes. brought to you by this episode. Yes. <laughs> that should be a, a, a disclaimer. Googling so fast. Our, our disclaimer at the bottom is like, you should ask someone who knows before right. retaining <laughs> any of this information. Don't, don't attempt of any show. of this information at home. <laughs> That'd be a great name for the show. You should ask someone who knows. <laughs> but not us. <laughs> but not us. All right. Um... Well, we're gonna we're gonna be wrapping this up shortly and let uh, everyone's brains settle into reality. Uh, but yeah, we got a whole show day ahead of us. Yeah, thanks to the how, baristas how much, in um, Wichita, Kansas. Thanks to the baristas, we appreciate you. Brock appreciates you. Siobhan, well, it, Wichita was yesterday. Today we're in Oklahoma City. So thanks to the is Oklahoma it, is it City barista Starbucks. Barista, a barista. You keep saying barista. I always thought it was barista. I've never heard barista. But Ben also mispronounces everything, so. I haven't been to a Starbucks in person. I've only read about them online. <laughs> um, so you guys, how much How much of the tour do you have left? How, how much longer uh, are you guys have? Five out? and a half weeks. Well, damn. Yeah. <laughs> the total was what, 14, 14 weeks? Yeah, I mean, it was basically from the end of April through mid-July, more or less, you know. What is so. the first thing you're going to do when you get home? Uh, I'm gonna I'm probably I'll get probably play like a gig. Awesome, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Siobhan will probably leave and go 
traveling again. I always uh, tell myself that I'm going to go home and have like, a, I, I'm always like, all right, I'm going to have like full two or three days to relax and just sit on the couch and watch TV and decompress and order Uber Eats. And like the last several tours, I've been like, guys, I got to fly out at 6 a.m. tomorrow because I have to be at a gig somewhere in, in Florida or somewhere else. <laughs> or I'll be like, oh, you're off tour now. Now you can come back and work. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I've been flying to Boston to do Lost Symphony yeah, exactly. stuff. Yeah. What about you, Brock? Uh, I'll probably get some awesome chicken wings at my favorite place in Ohio. And Shout out to Roosters. Yeah, Sponsor Roosters. us. It's awful for you. The chicken wings are way too big to be natural. Um. <laughs> so they, do they cherry pick them? Because I hate that where you have like the one like runty chicken wing and you're like, is that guy, who's going to eat that guy? But then you got you the think nice that one's sickly when that's like the normal one. <laughs> Well, yeah, dude, well, when I first saw tomatoes in school and they're like DNA modified tomatoes versus normal tomatoes, like, do you know, I, I feel like it's six weeks, they said, if you use only organic pesticides, only organic uh, vegetables, the whole world would run out of food if we didn't use genetically modified, like, because we, because we, the amount of things we do to fuck with nature to actually be able to feed our fat asses just in the United States is incredulous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just still, I don't think you should be able to inject meat with hormones that make your chicken wings. <laughs> well, like very big. That says you still eat it. Go on, but could we grow them in a test tube with hormones to make them that big and still taste that good? That's probably the way of the future. That's why I'm going to stick to being is. a vegetarian. It's happening for a while. now. Elon Musk is growing himself just so he can eat him. <laughs> Somewhere. I wonder what I taste like. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, just hang out and see my people and play a standard tuned guitar. <laughs> which is what I miss so much when I'm on tour. Is PRS going to really sponsor you for a 277? Can we get a Star Set 277 guitar? Like, uh, that, come on. That'd be awesome. I mean, I have customs for me, but they don't carry one. So you, you hit them up. You but say, hold on. Hey. But wait. First off, if, I, if you heard my conversations with Paul Reed Smith, you, I'm the last person you want calling Paul. I'll call Andrea. <laughs> and Andrea who, Fisher, who's his, his right-hand lady, who's amazing, super nice, Beverly Fowler. They're like the greatest people. They'll, they'll be like, Benny Goodman is on the phone, and then he will literally set the phone on fire. <laughs> and, he, and then he'll be like take all my calls for the day I'm going home I'm gonna go walk my dog his dog's super cute <laughs> how do I feel like you know a lot about his life that he doesn't know that you know <laughs> listen, listen I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now man like listen I, I tried I love I love PRS in fact Paul Reed Smith even watched one of my videos while I was on the phone with him listening to him watch my video and then he it pans over to my whole wall Paul Reed Smith and it was the only time in the conversation he goes Oh, you're a ser you seriously like my guitars. And I'm like, I've been telling you for a decade to your face how much I love you. But he he said to me, I think his words exactly were, I am not your Huckleberry. <laughs> and then I asked him, but, but can I still, I'm going to be in Guitar World next month. Can I still be endorsed by Paul Reed Smith? I mean, I have 42 of your guitars. You don't even really need to give me anything or whatever. I just kind of want you to save me on the site. And he goes, well, if I if I did that, then why would I have Beverly, who's the head of artist relations? Why would she have a job? The only 
people I'm authorized to sign is like a Santana or a John, a John Mayer. But I promise you, I will walk down your press kit to Beverly's office right after this phone call. And I'm like, did you make it? No. <laughs> but, but hold on, but hold on. But I was in Guitar World for a two-page spread where my picture was much bigger with my Paul Reed Smith in the background, by the way, than Nuno or Marty Friedman's. And um, I then messaged Paul Reed. Oh, well, Paul Reed Smith had asked me on a call, "Do you have Les Paul's White Les Paul?" And at the time, I didn't know that I actually do, do have Les Paul's White Les Paul. This is a true story. It's on the internet, theneuroticguitarist.com. I have Les Paul's White Les Paul. I didn't realize it on the phone. So now I messaged Paul back. You asked me if I had it because it was actually a, a, a fuck you trick question because most of them are accounted for. So he was kind of like trying to shit test me to think if I like was a, a, a thought I was cooler than I am. But I came back to him, sent him a video of that. Nothing. <laughs> and then I wrote back to Andrea and Beverly, but like, but could you still endorse me? And they're like, well, it's been a very tough time. Uh, we're not really taking on new endorsees. Now, mind you, I have my own guitar That's channel. Fuck you. Yeah, luckily Ben can't take a hint, so he'll just keep going. No, I, I got no, the no, same thing from a string company. Like, we're not really taking on new artists. I was like, That's not what I asked you. I asked if I could just buy a, a bunch of strings straight from a <laughs> no, representative. Hold on. So Gibson does shit for anybody. But I am friends with Steve Wood, who's the fucking man. He's been on the show. He brokered the deal with our friend Paul Geary for Joe Perry's guitar. Like, he's friends with all the guys there. And he sent them this video. In fact, I believe there might be a certain member of Aerosmith, maybe even a few members of Aerosmith they are going to be doing our documentary. And Gibson's going to have to realize that we have their crown jewels. And I hope, and here's my plan, is I'm going to go and play this guitar mercilessly, this multi-million dollar guitar, that if I can prove what it is, multi-million dollar guitar, it's a fucking unicorn, to the point where hopefully Geekian, the, the head, uh, the Turkish guy who's super smart and cool and plays Megadeth Riffs for Gibson, that's, I love him. I don't know why he doesn't love me back, but love me, man, will be like, stop playing that guitar. It's too nice. It's a piece of history. Put it in this plexiglass. We're going to have the Murphy Lab make you a copy. Play that instead. And that's my end wow. game, Brock. I hope it all plays out for you. Um, yeah. And on that note. Yeah. Oh, hey, I thought I was, one other thing I'll do when I get home. Yeah. I think I'm going to switch to Evertune. Yeah. Bridge. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you, have you, do you like him? Have you played him? Actually, Corey Lowry showed us. Yeah, right? well, he's got he's got him on his. Yeah, um, I don't know because like professionally, I haven't used them long enough to like know the ins and outs of. Them, so for people, for people uh, listening people and watching, if you're not if you're not familiar, uh, Evertune, uh, they're these bridges uh, that go in your guitar that kind of keep the guitar perfectly intonated and in tune, uh, regardless of like you know changes in temperature and like all this stuff it's, they're pretty incredible yeah it seemed cool the technology the, for the studio I, I've, I've looked into them because there's nothing worse than recording guitar that's out of tune yeah, or ha having to retune every yeah. you know take and stuff like that problem is they're set up for a specific tuning and you can't really easily change them so you'd have to get like you know a drop d1 or standard tuning a half step down tuning and you end up buying a guitar for every tuning yeah so first off that's what i'm doing 
Secondly, I'm hoping to get an HVAC system. I've made friends with an a Kenny, a guy who loves Star Set. <laughs> Holy shit, listen to this, guys. Wait, you're buying so, Evertune guitar? What do you say? What do you No, doing? no, 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 no. To solve your problem. Don't ever leave. Always have a consistent relative humidity so you can have a hydrometer on your wall with your easy HVAC system. Easy to do system. on tour. Super easy, right? <laughs> no! Don't ever tour. Dude, listen. Did you not hear? Listen. ABBA, I told you this. Tell this to Dustin again. Get you guys, find a guy that figures out how to do 3D imaging and then get a laser guy and then just do your whole your whole thing like the moon landing in front of a green screen and then just bring your lighting out and then have you guys just project like ABBA and then record your live set with your best like your best of from your soundboard recordings or something. Okay, so this this is why I'm going with like thinking about the Evertune is you take a a a certain gauge string and you tune it, tune a guitar from standard E down to drop E. That's so low. Yeah. So when you play that <laughs> That's string, solo. every time you play it, it goes sharp because mm -hmm. it's a it noodle. It floppity flops. Yeah, yeah, it flops. Right? So how do you keep that in tune? Well, you get a never tune and then you play lightly and bam, you got that genty low E guitar, which I can't believe is a thing. But <laughs> or you, or or you can just buy a bass. Yeah, or yeah. just take yeah, yeah standard bass. Like, here's here's, yeah. here's here's the thing. So I I have a buckethead guitar. It has a 27 inch fucking scale. I have an actual like short scale bass that has a shorter scale than the buckethead guitar, and I'm just like. Why are it's like it's like you know like if you can't identify as a man you can't identify as a woman like look you can't identify as a bass or as a guitar as a tenor guitar a baritone guitar like what is I'm so confused and in fact why would you even want to play in drop E is it better to was your bass player dude does he play a, a, an octave higher than you is that a thing does Ron I mean, play up a, 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 an octave when you play down the octave no he yeah he's play. he's still I mean he's an A. Standard oh, A. Oh God! How long's his scale? Is it like, is it is it? Could he reach to the end of the neck? <laughs> <laughs> is it like a piano that's been turned sideways? It's just like the soundboard. Well, his doesn't drop that much. And, and the way I get to E is, I tuned a G, like so. That's already really low. But then I use a, a DT digital Digitech whammy mm. to get the other step and a half. Oh, well, the whammy's yeah. awesome, dude. Can't you just, see that? Without Here's the that thing, is, thing, I don't think I you have, can do I it. have a whammy anyway, so why can't I just play with my normal six-string plebeian guitar, and then when I want to go low, or I like going high. I'm like Dimebag, dude. I'm not like him, but I, <laughs> I like to do what Dimebag did, which is like, and like just make your guitar scream through that thing. Like what? Why is everyone like, going low? Why can't you just go higher? I feel like you guys, you should get like a, like I mean, that's start playing ukuleles. Yeah, dude, start playing higher. Playing like cowboy tuning. <laughs> It'd be very appropriate for Star Set. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, listen, Train guys. did it. Well, if Train did it. Um, thank you guys for, for you know, all, all of us getting together, I think was a feat for, for today's episode. And uh, yeah, you guys thank you for tolerating our setup yeah, today. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> actually you, guys are, you know, we've, this is the first time I think we've had uh, two people on one screen. So this is exciting. Uh, but luckily, you guys are there together. So it worked out great. Um, obviously, wishing you the best on the rest of the tour. 
Brock, Siobhan, we'll talk to you next week. Anything else you guys want to tell people about to check out? I mean, check out Starset online. Yeah, I mean, just if if you want to come see the tour where we did most of the West Coast, but we're heading back east. So anyone that's, you know, south, midwest, east, we, you know, starsetonline.com and look at the Instagram. Um, Yeah, and we'll I'm I'm sure we'll be announcing more stuff soon, other tours that will come up. But yeah, we still have quite a few weeks left in this headline tour. And uh, yeah, so if you want to check it out, come see it. Be great to have even more people at the shows. When uh, when you guys get back, we'll have to do an episode where Brock uh, reviews giant chicken wings and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. We'll make sure bridges, yeah, there we go. bridges. That would be a good combination, chicken and bridges. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> check out two zero two zero d dot com. Like and subscribe to the podcast and uh, have a great tour, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you. So I'll see you, see you guys soon. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com, like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 136, featuring Joel Hoekstra of Trans-Siberian Orchestra, Cher, and Whitesnake. Check it out. Eventually, you got to kind of... What kind of interaction does Cher throw at you last minute when you're on stage? Because like, I'd love to know that. Like, you're in front of a crowd, you're 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 about to, to cross paths. What does she do? Oh, if you're cross, good cross paths. Sometimes she wanted to do the back-to-back or, you know, she'd sometimes rest her uh, arm on my shoulder or whatever and sing. And um, so things like that, that, you know, you just kind of have to be ready for if she's going to do it and be like, (laughs) okay, and not look like a deer in headlights and kind of look like you're, you know, but at the same time, don't become known as the guy who knocked over Cher accidentally (laughs) on stage. (laughs) You'd be on TMZ later that night or whatever. So... Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.